The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today we are talking about cybersecurity, which is such an important issue that we talk about it from many different perspectives with different people. And I was reading the Daily Journal, which is the legal newspaper for the state of California, and I saw this article about privacy concerns, and I saw that our guest was being quoted. Let me tell you a little bit about our wonderful guest coming to us from San Francisco. Andrew D. Castricone is a partner in Gordon and Reese's San Francisco Law Office, and he serves as the firm's national practice group leader for privacy and data security. He's also a member of the firm's commercial litigation, intellectual property, and professional liability practice groups. He has incredible experience litigating complex matters through trial in state and federal courts, and his background covers a huge spectrum. So he manages a dynamic caseload in the areas of privacy, intellectual property, copyright, trademark infringement, misappropriation of trade secrets, unfair competition and interference, statutory governance, compliance and violations of all sorts of kind dealing with privacy and security and technology. So boy, I could go on and on telling all these kinds of suits, whether they're class action suits or individual suits. His diverse practice area includes the resolution of a variety of business disputes, and so this is great for our business people listening in and also for our university students who are in the School of Business and, and literally everyone who's in business and has a computer. So I am so thrilled that we have you on with us, Andy. Thank you for joining us from San Francisco. Happy to be here, Mari. How are you? I'm doing great. So which cybersecurity issues make businesses really the most vulnerable? That's pretty scary. Yeah, you know, I think the issue these days is the advances of technology uh, have just made it unbelievably uh, necessary for businesses to be aware of what's going on out there. Any business that's involved in the collection and use of personal information uh, of individuals or businesses uh, needs to be very aware of what's going on out there. You know, there is data freely exchanged across the Internet along mobile device technology, smartphones, tablets, uh, over the telephone. And that exchange of information is susceptible to hacking, data loss, data breach. And everybody needs to, to be aware of those risks in this day and age. And, you know, Andy, when I think about all the things that are, all the technology, uh, you know, te- uh, 
the the things that we have, even Google Glass, right? In fact, I just read recently that someone was arrested um, for being instead of texting, she was she had her Google Glass glasses on. <laughs> right, I saw that too. Did apparently, you? apparently, she said they were so comfortable she forgot she was wearing them, but it was not on at the time, right, according to the right. driver. But she, I think she's going to fight that one. But the point is, is we've got so many devices and we probably can't even think of all the devices that we're going to have pretty soon our fingers are going to be able to do that right i mean we're we just have uh, you know anything that man can think of man can do and so i think in the rush for technology and the excitement of what technology can do they forget about the cyber security issues right correct you know and it's uh and the issue is is that People are using it for the transmission of data without even thinking about it. Um, you know, you uh, call up your accountant or you send an email regarding your tax issues, and somewhere in there is going to be your Social Security information, um, your income information, your name, your address, things like that, which, you know, if gotten into the wrong hands, can instantly result in identity theft or other types of losses. Exactly. And people forget that, that, you know, that encryption is really quite easy, at least on computers. It's not quite as easy on uh, some of our other devices, our, our mobile phone and our smartphones. But still, we have to start thinking like, who, you know, who can get a hold of this or who might see this or what if I lose my, my iPad or what if I lose my, my cell phone, Right. Right. And, you know, that's a very important thing. Um, everybody who hears about what's going on today with uh, cybersecurity, cyber theft, uh, hacking, data breaches, they, they immediately think that, you know, it's, it's anonymous or it is uh, some, uh, there's lots of reports that have come out about, you know, the Chinese uh, deliberately hacking into these computer systems and trying to, to result in data breaches. But um, the, the studies show that the most prevalent source of data breach comes down to negligence and uh, computer glitches, DNS, things on your server. Uh, it's, it's something that happens every day. You know, people have their cell phones. They don't put passwords on them. They don't change the passwords. If they do have a password on them, they leave them behind on a park bench. They leave them on the bus, the subway, uh, what have you. And that is a computer that has a ton of information on it. You know, you're in a, in a situation where businesses have either supplied devices to their employees or it's a bring-your-own-device and if that is not password protected and it's not safeguarded and it gets into the wrong hands or even the not so wrong hands, but somebody who, you know, is playing around with it uh, can lead to a lot of damage both to the business and to the individual. Yes. And, you know, we've all heard about the NSA spying and how, you know, our emails are being reviewed. So if you have something that's sensitive, not something that's illegal, because we, we don't want to encourage any kind of illegal activity. But if you want to have private information, you don't want everybody to know about it, then you better start encrypting. You better start protecting and doing whatever you can to, um, to keep your private information private. That's exactly right. And from a business perspective, the company wants to make sure, you know, that they have updated firewalls, that they have antivirus protection, anti-spyware, that there are policies and training in place 
so that their employees know this information is sensitive, this information has to be protected, and everyone has to be following the company policy so that there is uniformity and that there is uh, awareness of the importance of safeguarding this private information. Yes. And so you, as a lawyer, you you do a lot of defense work for companies to to help them protect. And I'm sure you're advising them either before or after they've had the problem, what they better do. But um, let my audience who's driving by these companies that are driving by, we have like a little Silicon Valley here in this area. You know, what kinds of lawsuits are you seeing regarding privacy and security? Well, you know, it ranges from uh, lawsuits that don't even begin with uh, with those types of issues, but uh, the information is out there. You know, you have um, misappropriation of company files, and within those files uh, is personal information. So it may be a case that is simply a, a dispute between an employer and employee, and all of a sudden... You know, you have information that that is out there that you have to make sure that there's no actual data breach. You have to safeguard the information. You have to make sure that you uh, you try to get it back. Uh, that type of thing. The uh, the interesting thing too is uh, the government aspect uh, seems to be increasing. I'm sure that you saw the FTC having its its first enforcement action against uh, TrendNet. Uh, for the security cameras, and the the FTC uh, is starting to get involved in enforcement and regulation of privacy issues. They're holding a workshop um, that is going to deal with the Internet of Things. Yes, and uh, and you know anything that is possibly connected to the Internet uh, that contains what the FTC has described as sensitive information, you know, is going to be potentially subject to enforcement and regulatory issues, uh, compliance and monitoring, you know, for an extended period of time. Uh, same thing with uh, a lot of the, the states, such as California, where, you know, the data breach notification laws require reporting here to the Attorney General's office um, and the immediate, not immediate, but as quickly as possible in a, in a logical manner, uh, notification to anybody whose personal information does get compromised somehow. And it's not encrypted. And it's not encrypted, exactly. Uh, if it's encrypted uh, or if there's a law enforcement agency that's doing any kind of investigation and the notification could disrupt that investigation, then there are, uh, there are exceptions to that notification rule. At least as to the delay. But I think it's really important for those of you who are driving by and you this is another reason that Andy is making, you know, an effort to let you know that if you encrypt the sensitive data and it's stolen, you don't have a duty to disclose. So that's kind of the carrot in that statute. So if that's another good reason besides protecting your customers, it's protecting yourself to encrypt your data. That's right. And if there's, you know, for instance, going back to the accounting example, uh, if there is a transmission of tax returns, say, as you're reviewing them near tax deadline, um, you know, those need to be encrypted by the accountant going back to the 
to the client. And the client, at the same time, should be sure to encrypt any information they're sending back to the accountant. It can't be a one-way street. You know, the individual has to safeguard their own information uh, for the same expectation that it will be treated as such by the professional. Yes. And if there's some scary stuff going on, like, you know, I mean, I, I, my financial planner, for example, we have a vault. So I put everything, you know, if I want to transmit something to him besides encrypting it, um, I can go into the vault and he has things that I, there's encryption and that it's, well, it's in the vault. But if I download it, it's not encrypted until I encrypt it. So you know, what about all these vaults that like attorneys are using and companies are using and uh, various companies are using these vaults that have the encryption and um, and they're out in the cloud? Are there any concerns that we should have about the cloud? And does that subject us to any kind of liability? Well, sure there are. The um, You know, the big thing is, is that people are still trying to understand what the cloud is. Um, you know, uh, the layperson thinks of the cloud and it's like, oh, there's this data is just out there someplace, you know, mm-hmm. without, without thinking that it is, you know, a, a server in a location that is secure, presumably, uh, for the free exchange and confidential exchange of encrypted information that is only available to the people that are authorized to access the information. But, what you need to do is to use these services, you know, on both sides, businesses and individuals. You have to make sure that you're aware of that company's policies, their terms of service, their terms of use, their own privacy policies. You know, everybody goes through uh, quickly when they're, they're registering or logging on to, to use a certain service and there's a terms of use and privacy policy and things like that with the little boxes that you check that you're accepting those, you know, well... You have to you have to read the parts about the privacy and the use of the personal information so that you can safeguard yourself uh, and make sure that they are employing the the right protections in order to safeguard that information. Yeah, and what's scary is, you know, I think about sometimes the cloud is not even in this country, you know, and then what what happens then if there's a security breach outside the country? So, you know, when I when I look to do something that's on the cloud, I want to make sure that whatever that that server is in the United States, I feel safer. Isn't that something that I should consider too? Well, it's it's it is certainly is a consideration, um, you know, as more and more technology uh advances and the uh the the viability of the exchange of information through cloud servers. You know, there's going to be additional companies that are popping up and uh, I'll say off-site <laughs> uh, storage, but, you know, just like uh, uh, customer care centers that are located abroad, um, you know, which sometimes are frustrating where you're dealing with a domestic company and you're you're calling for some kind of customer service and, and you end up getting transferred to you know, foreign country, and, and uh, sometimes there's language barriers and things like that. Or, or, the they're, thing, or they're stuck with their, their, um, with their script. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you ask them something outside of the script, you know what I always do, Andy? I always say, if I start to get frustrated and I'm not getting an answer, I go, I'd like to speak to somebody who's in the United States. And, you know, they do get me to somebody in the United States. They it, do. And it's, you know, that that is... Uh, very important, and it's you looking out for 
your best interest. And it's the same thing with the privacy and the personal information. So, you know, there will obviously be coming a time where you're not going to be able to maybe just use uh, a domestic Right. company for the exchange of the information. And, you know, it's just that uh, the listeners need to be aware that whatever service they're using, wherever it's located, that they are complying with the data protection policies. You know, if it's a, if it's a European company uh, or it's subject to the European data privacy laws, I mean, they're, they're much stricter than we are these days. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, as long as they're in compliance and they're adhering to that, you know, you're in a... Uh, probably a better position than than you might be if you're using a domestic one. It just all depends. But, you know, the uh, it's an individualized issue, and you just need to be aware of where your information is going and how it's being used. So it's an obligation on the part of both sides of who's having transmission, transmitting the data back and forth uh, just to be conscious of how that information is being transmitted, how it's being stored, how it's being encrypted, how it's being used. How it's yes. being uh, uh, deleted when it should be. If yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. There's so much to know. I know for me, you know, I just, I have a cloud backup, but as, as just a double check, I have a, another backup too in the office. So, you know, I'm not a huge company, but I really would suggest for anybody that you have a double backup that even if you have something in the cloud, if that cloud goes down, you know, at least you have another backup just in case. So you don't lose your business. That's right. And, and, you know, a similar issue is, uh, in addition to the cloud, is in addition to the device to a computer or device to device sharing of information, um, we are often exchanging CDs, not so much these days, but thumb drives and things like that. Right. And you have to be very careful that, you know, that information that's on that thumb drive, it gets, uh, you know, transmitted to the other uh, person or other business by physically conveying it to them, and then the information is downloaded from the thumb drive, and then what happens to the thumb drive? You have to make sure that 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 data is then removed from that thumb drive so that it doesn't fall, again, into the wrong hands. And I I use that term a little loosely uh, just as a generalization, but, you know, it's the important part of the wrong hands is the person or entity that is not supposed to have that information. Yes, Yeah. So, you know, I know you deal with people who are companies that have security breaches, and I just want people who are driving by to understand that even if you are a sole proprietor, if you have that information uh, computerized, that sensitive data that would include like a birthday, social security number with along with a name or an account number or uh, health insurance or health care information or a, a checking account numbers or any of that kind of sensitive data and you don't have it encrypted and you have a data breach, you don't have to be a big business to have a problem, right? That's right. And uh, in fact, increasingly smaller businesses, less than less than 100 and, and even, you know, a very small operation with just a few employees, if they have personal information and it is subject to uh, some kind of loss, some kind of breach, some kind of attack, then they're vulnerable as well. But, you know, uh, one of the things that uh, I like to stress to, to our clients, and, and, you know, I'm a litigator, but I really view myself as a risk manager. Uh, I, you know, I tell, tell clients all the time that, you know, it, it's, it's great, so to speak, 
being in litigation, but, you know, what my job is is to minimize the risk to you. Uh, I want to make sure that, you know, how this matter gets resolved is to your satisfaction and also to, to avoid problems down the road. Um, one of the things that is becoming increasingly popular, for lack of better words, is cyber insurance. Right. And, you know, it is uh, coverage that is available under a variety of packages and something that that people and businesses uh, ought to discuss with their insurers and their brokers, uh, with businesses, their risk management staff, uh, the, the key people in the company to determine, you know, what risks they really have. And a lot of the products will, uh, a lot of the insurance companies will help you assess your risks. Uh, there's also private companies that will perform risk assessments and even things online that are simple risk calculators that you can use to evaluate your business. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, doctor's offices, dentist's offices, things like that with healthcare information. Right. I mean, you know, healthcare has its own safety provisions with HIPAA and high tech. However, uh, those files also have personal information that, you know, is also subject to the same identity theft or, or financial issues yes. as other data. And um, the cyber policies provide not only for third-party coverage, which is a defense and liability-type coverage, uh, as well as first-party coverages for investigation, for notification, for response costs, and things like that. And, you know, the studies show that the cost of data breaches, in addition to the increased number of data breaches and that it is affecting smaller and smaller businesses year after year, the cost of those data breaches are going up, you know, and a, a per capita uh, per breach for a small business is a lot more difficult to absorb than it is for a large business. And not only that, the brand, it really hurts the brand if you have to notify your customers that you've lost or the, your infor- the information that you had on them was stolen and they, they say to you, well, why didn't you encrypt it? Why didn't you protect it? So, you know, that's going to hurt your business. They, you may lose customers. So that's the studies also show that people kind of uh, the, the reputation goes down, too, as well. So that, that's right. And there is a lot of um, uh, mitigating issues that, that companies can do to try to, to help that loss of or potential loss of goodwill um, by helping with, you know, credit reporting agencies and things like that. Credit and, monitoring. And credit yeah. monitoring services, sure. Um, anything that, that can be uh, assisting to the clientele to, to try to make them understand that the company, uh, you know, is trying to do everything they can to protect, you know, any loss or use of the information. Right. So, you know, so let's say a, a company that you've has been a, a customer or a client of yours calls up and said, oh, my God, you know, we just had a security breach, data breach. So what kind of advice would you give them for all these businesses that are driving by? What would you, what are some of the steps you would have them take right away? Well, the thing that you need to do right away is to uh, to focus. Uh, you need to, assuming that you have a policy in place, which is the most important preventative uh, measure, you need to have your uh, people that are appointed, uh, your risk manager, your uh, 
uh, key executives that can make executive decisions. Uh, you should, like you indicated, talk to counsel. Um, you should talk to your insurance broker agent or you know, directly to the insurance company to see if there is coverage for these things. And also, um, you know, to notify the appropriate law enforcement, um, depending on what the, the issue is, to find out if this is a isolated problem you know, maybe it's one of several incidents that, is, that are going on that law enforcement is already aware of and has an investigation going on, um, you know, that also deals with your notification responsibilities. And you want to find out if it's a dirty insider or if it's just somebody who made a big mistake. I mean, we've heard about big mistakes as well as, as intentional ones, right? That's right. That's right. And it's, it's uh, you know, there are, there are bad seeds uh, in any organization, uh, there are, are bad seeds out there on social media, you know, that are, are luring, uh, whether it's pretexting or otherwise, but uh, luring the disclosure of, of this confidential and personal information, whether it be over the phone or uh, electronically. Um, but the same thing happens within a company. And it could be uh, somebody who should not have had access to information that that obtained that access, uh, and you know, if you do this focused effort, focused, uh, uh, knowledgeable and conscious effort to see if the source can be determined quickly, uh, you know, you're you're in good steps. It's good good measures to take. Yeah, yeah, and law enforcement will at least help you, and they'll tell you if you have to delay or not as they well. Certain- they yeah. certainly will. And, you know, there's uh, uh, various law enforcement. You have the Attorney General's Office. Uh, the Department of Homeland Security has a division, uh, the U.S. Computer Emergency Readiness Team. The FBI has uh, a cyber crime force uh, that is often investigating it, as well as local law enforcement agencies. And the and the Secret Service, too, gets involved, because if it's a financial crime. That's right. And, you know, the important thing is that if it is a breach of unencrypted data, you know, that has the potential of having this personal information disclosed, uh, it's just, it's important to make that notification, at least to the right people at the right time. So you get the law enforcement involved, and then they will, they will help guide people as to, you know, what, what is the loss of information? How did it happen? How are what are your procedures so that you can discuss with them, which will help in their investigation. It'll help in your investigation, and it'll also help determine if you are uh, going to be subject to the notification to the consumers under the applicable laws. Yeah, and, you know, we want to be, what what the studies have also shown is that if you are going out there and you're telling the truth, now you have to tell um, when you the, our security breach law in California is you have to tell as much as you can specifically about the breach, how it happened, what happened, what was stolen, whether it was a social security number or just a credit card number. If it's a credit card number, okay, so you can cancel that credit card. But if it's your social security number, you're in a lot more trouble. So, um, you know, those are the kinds of things that we have to talk about. But I wanted just to ask, as I I look, we have just about another minute and a half, and I know this would take a long time, but what if if a federal agency like, you know, the FTC or in California, if the attorney general comes calling, what, um, can you just give like one or two things that people should do? Uh, 
<laughs> I know that would take forever. <laughs> it, it it would. So, you know, the long story is short is kind of similar to what I said. Assuming that you have a policy in, in place, which, which businesses should strive to do, no matter, you know, how, how little or big the, the policies are, because it is an evolving thing. You know, you kind of have to circle your wagons to contain the issue. Uh, you obviously have to be truthful and cooperate with the investigation. Yes. But, you know, you want to get counsel involved. You want to get risk management involved. You want to use uh, the, the governing uh, people and key executives of the company, um, the, the leaders. You know, if it's a small, small business, the same thing. It's like, who is the decision makers? We need to discuss this thing. We need to, you know, be able to explain what data we have, how we keep it, how we maintain it, if it's encrypted, who has access to it. You know, those types of things should already be pre-existing if you develop a good policy. So yeah. it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's a checklist so that you make sure that you have security policies. If they're in writing, how are they implemented? Uh, how are they communicated to the client before any breach? Um, you know, if you have the password and encryption issues, are your firewalls and virus protection and uh, anti-spyware things all up to date? Is data backed up? And the uh, short uh, answer is call Andy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the, call, the short answer is just call Andrew Castricone. And I just want to thank you so much. We are out of time. You have so much to share with us, Andrew. We really appreciate this. And um, we will have you back again. And for those of you who are listening, you can go to our website and you can see uh, Andy's uh, URL and just click on that. But why don't you just give your website right now and then we've got to go. Sure. Thank you again, Mari. Uh, Again, my name is Andy Castricone with Gordon and Reese. Uh, we're a national law firm, but I'm based in San Francisco. www.gordonreese, no e at the end. Okay, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Thanks. Bye-bye. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.